0: To splitting cases with Pointy and the Moose, you'll notice that is not the sound of a bottle being opened as per usual so far, but it can. We'll get back to that later. How are you doing, Pointy? Oh, I'm pretty well, thanks. How are you going? I got some cheese and crackers laid out in front of me and I think it's gonna be a good podcast. I'm very close to our next um, guest who's here to split a case. She is my fiance, Mrs. Moose. Better known as the blogger and comic artist Nothing Kitsy. Hello. Hello. So tell us about Nothing Kitsy, your project.
1: Basically just a blog where I put all of my writing and all of my drawing and all of my things that I create in any way, shape or form for the internet to enjoy.
2: And enjoy they do.
0: <laughs> so what topic have you chosen today, Nothing Kitsy?
1: Pretty much the only topic I know anything more than a couple of facts about, Disney.
2: Well, it's a good topic for me because it really gave me a chance to sit down and think about something I probably wouldn't usually think of. I can't say that Disney is something that's in my life frequently... But one thing that really impresses me um, about both of you guys is that your love for things that are sweet and innocent.
0: Well, what not really lovely? <laughs> when I first met Nothing Cutesy, it was kind of I wasn't necessarily advertising the fact I was a huge Disney fan. I just I liked a lot of the movies, and I was I never really grew out of it. I never really thought thought it was something to grow out of. And I did like that I found someone who was a big Disney fan, and I could relate to that. And I think. She kind of liked that about me, too.
1: Well, you were slightly closeted, Disney fan, when I met you. Not embarrassed about it per se, but not exactly going to go around and advertise it by wearing a Mickey Mouse jumper like you do now.
0: Well, yeah, I do now, and it's coming close to winter, and I'm looking forward to wearing that jumper again. But how should we go about this? Because Disney is a
2: huge topic to traverse. Uh, Why don't we break it down um, into time periods of when films are being released and, and go from there. Nothing, kids. Take us through that first stage of Disney.
1: If you think about Disney as a company started by Walt Disney, he was doing a lot of shorts. Um, he had the introduction of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, who was then slowly replaced by Mickey Mouse, um, who has, of course, become the emblem for Disney. Walt pretty much sent the company broke by trying to do Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Everybody thought he was crazy, trying to do a full-length animation because only kids watch animations and until then animation were little shorts at the beginning of films and not much more. So Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was a huge milestone and I think the movie still stands the test of time today.
2: Well, I think that's pretty smart on his behalf because, yeah, only kids watch them, but who takes kids to the cinema or to the movies? So there's going to be, you've got one viewer, but then a couple of additional ones that are going to go along. There's really only two movies in my life that have ever gave me a nightmare. And one of them was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Why did that give you a nightmare? Uh, just that witch. Actually, I'm not even sure if it was a nightmare. It was just, I remember going to bed and I, don't know, I guess I was five or four or something like that. And I just remember seeing a silhouette being casted over the wall that was like the witch. And it really freaked me out.
0: So from that first movie, I mean, that was clearly a success, right? There was pretty much like a classic run of Disney movies over the next 15 years or so, wasn't there?
1: Well, you know, you have classic Hollywood when you talk about live action. Disney did have their classic period in the beginning of animated films. They followed up Snow White with Pinocchio, Fantasia, which wasn't necessarily a commercial success, but in terms of breakthroughs in animation, that still stands the test of time. If you think, you look at Fantasia and all of that is hand-drawing that is done to synchronise with music, which is just insane to think about. And then, of course, you've got Dumbo and Bambi after that.
0: Syncing anything with music, even cutting up speech, I mean, to fit a bed or to do anything like that is just... You stick it in Pro Tools, you cut it up, you line it up, you beat-match it, you do all of that. But the idea that someone... A, hand draws millions of drawings and sequences them to movement in a general animation astounds me, but to do that to music and time that. And what year was that? 1940, 50, something like that? Moving through from there, they had that run of movies and then kind of what happened after that? There, there was Disneyland at some point. Like, it became quite a big a big thing.
1: I only know the vague basics. I know it was very early on in the piece and it was a, a pet project of Waltz. But if you're talking in terms of animation, what came next, I mean, you've got Cinderella, you've got Alice in Wonderland, you've got the incredibly racist Song of the South, which is no longer released to the general public. But it did bring to us the song Zippity-Dooda, which has outlasted the movie.
0: Is it kind of one of those of-the-time things where it was acceptable to release something like that at that time because of those views and now it's kind of shunned upon because nobody thinks like that anymore?
1: Yeah, it was mid-40s, so it wasn't questioned as much then, but quite early on it it fell out of favour. So I haven't actually seen it um, in its entirety, so I can't tell you exactly what's in it, but um, I know from modern sensibilities it's quite racist.
2: Have you got any favourites in that early run? For that time period, the one that I've watched the most would have been Pinocchio. I just remember what, ending up in a whale's stomach and, I don't know, playing pool with vagrants. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty risky stuff.
0: My favourite's Peter Pan, but I don't remember seeing it till, like, they did a re-release in the 90s, I think, at some point. Um, I went to a now defunct or changed Newcastle Cinema, I think it might be a Christian Centre or something now, saw the re-release, and that was my favourite for a very long time of
2: those earlier ones. That's not surprising, given the conversation earlier around uh, your views when you started uni and your closeted love for Disney, <laughs> the boy that never wants to grow up. <laughs> I don't know if that was intentional on your behalf, but it did tie in quite nicely.
0: It certainly wasn't Intentional.
2: Those early Disney movies, do you think they're a little bit darker than what's to come, or is that just my memory playing tricks on me? You did have nightmares. That's true.
1: I don't think so. It's probably mm, more as a modern audience. We kind of look at it and go, wait, Bambi's mum died? What's going on here? But I honestly think that once you get to the Little Mermaid and Ursula gets stabbed through the chest by Prince Eric with a boat, there's some darkness to come.
0: We were talking before about watching all these movies on VHS, which, like, we watched a documentary on Disney recently about that being a huge windfall of income for them because they didn't realise how successful all their old movies re-released on VHS would be. But before the late 80s and that sort of massive revolution of video, they started to fall out of favour, but there was there was a few great movies around like the late 60s, but the 70s and 80s were a bit of a barren period for a while, weren't they?
1: Well, you've got the 60s, and I think um, Wonderful World of Disney was still on TV at that time, and you've got things like The Parent Trap, and Pollyanna, and um, of course, Sleeping Beauty... Um, 101 Dalmatians, a lot of the classic movies still came out around that period. Got Mary Poppins in 64, which is an incredibly classic movie. Sword in the Stone in 63, The Jungle Book in 67, so you're still going quite strong. I think once we hit the Aristocats or so in 1970, we're getting into more of the made-for-wonderful-world of Disney movies and less of the big animated classics we all remember. Though Bedknobs and Broomsticks deserves a special mention for how amazing it still is. And, you know, a lot of the live-action movies, you know, around the time of The Parent Trap, they were more for the wonderful world of Disney kind of made-for-TV kind of movies. And you have, like, The Rescuers, Pete's Dragon, those kind of animated movies coming out, but they just weren't as strong at the box office.
2: Sword in the Stone's probably my favourite. Uh, I remember watching that quite a lot as a kid, you know, being able to get turned into a fish and swim <laughs> around and rabbits and dragons were involved that was a pretty cool movie and Mary Poppins was my sister's favourite movie for mm. many years which is a good thing, it is a great movie good taste. very good taste although the downside was that that meant daily, repeated watchings <laughs> I think they might do something similar in Guantanamo Bay but I'm not quite sure. <laughs>
1: can you sing super colour
2: I can barely say that, let alone sing it <laughs> When did Fox and the Hound come out? Because I know I watched that a lot. I know when Fox and the Run came out, but not, <laughs> not Fox and the Hound.
1: 80s. You know, the the 70s, late 70s, early 80s were kind of a, a bit of a dead time for Disney. They were still producing animated movies, but I mean you've got Buzzle the Great Mouse Detective, which was heralded as being a saviour movie for them. It had the very first computer animation ever featured in a Disney movie, which is in the Cogs. Um in the scene where Basil's jumping from cog to cog, I think inside a giant clock from memory. Is it
0: inside Big Ben?
1: Inside Big Ben, yeah, there—that'd that, be right. Um, so it was no, originally right. called Basil of Baker Street, so a, a spin on Sherlock Holmes. But they changed it to the Great Mouse Detective because it was a more audience-friendly name, especially in America, where Sherlock Holmes probably isn't as big as in England. But um, unfortunately, the movie didn't do as well. But I remember it very fondly from growing up, especially since one of the songs was on Disney sing-alongs. So of course, I knew that song off by heart.
0: But what about Oliver and Company? Like that was—that was very much musical-based because they had Billy Joel.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, they were trying to be cool with that one they had Billy Joel they had Bette Midler I love that movie I adore that movie it's another one I grew up on and it's one that I made you watch when we first started dating I think
0: yeah I'd never heard of it so from there yeah it's it's pretty much we're leading into the resurgence of Disney and it becoming a cool popular viable thing again like VHS had come out and that was a huge thing all their older movies were being seen by a younger generation because they didn't have to go to the movies, they can just watch it over and over again at home.
1: I grew up on Disney VHS. VHS was the be-all and end-all for my brother and sister and I, and there was always a movie going on in the background if we were inside the house.
2: Were you guys conscious of the fact that the movies were that old when you were watching it as a kid? Yeah, I certainly had no comprehension that, you know, Pinocchio or Snow White had been released that long ago.
1: I think I was aware from quite an early age that movies were made by people and that animation was something that people drew that they were drawings that they brought to life what shush but i don't think time frames ever occurred to me as a kid so i understood that they were movies and they'd been made by
0: people but not when so what happened from there how did disney become cool again
1: well, they were going to kill off the animation side of things. Um, they'd reduce their budgets and moved them out of their traditional animation headquarters... But this little thing called The Little Mermaid came along and kind of reinvigorated the whole brand. That was in 1989, so very late 80s, early 90s. You see the resurgence. So it started with Little Mermaid and the sensibility of treating it as a musical, as you would a Broadway musical with the classic songs, and that really was what brought people back into the fold, the music really.
2: Singing lobsters is always going to do that, I feel. He's a crab. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, poor uh, Sebastian. Sebastian. I'm sorry. (laughs)
0: decided to make it a whole musical thing who's genius idea was that
1: I think it was something um, very early on. Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, who had written Little Shop of Horrors, were brought on to write the music.
0: By the way, excellent movie. that. I, I, I'd seen the, the stage show of Little Shop of Horrors at high school because they put it on.
1: The musical Little Shop of Horrors, I think it started as Off-Broadway and became an on-Broadway musical, and they'd won a few awards for it, so that was kind of what brought them to the attention of the people at Disney. But, yeah, once they were brought on board and the songs started to take shape... That's really what brought the movie from being kind of an average Disney movie into a much, much better Disney movie.
2: The Little Mermaid was the first movie that I went to see at the cinema. I remember going with mum and dad and my sister. Do
1: you know, I didn't see The Little Mermaid until it was re-released on VHS a long, long time after it came out at the cinema. I, I grew up watching, you know, all the, the movies we've already spoken about. I saw Beauty and the Beast at the movies, at the cinema, but I didn't see The Little Mermaid until I was well in my teens for the first time. I knew the songs, so I had all the sing-along discs, but I didn't actually see it at the movies or on VHS for a long, long time.
0: I mean, moving on to Beauty and the Beast, that was an even bigger hit for them because Little Mermaid kind of broke that ground and Beauty and the Beast won a whole bunch of awards. and was, like, just... A phenomenon.
1: Beauty and the Beast is still my favourite Disney movie. I think it always will be. And I just remember sitting in the cinema, and I think it was probably only the fourth or fifth movie I'd ever seen in... Um, on the big screen, and the scene where you see um, in Be Our the lines of plates and cups and cutlery dancing across the screen and it zooms out and zooms out and zooms out and there's more and more lines. I just remember being captivated by that, just being like, oh, my God, what is happening here? This is amazing, which is a strange thing, you know, out of everything in that movie. That's the thing that stands out in my head Is the first time I saw it.
2: It's funny that there's just, like, little scenes like that Um, You know, in any sort of film that just attracts you, and they're not scenes that people would quote or or rave about, but sometimes something just grabs you visually and it just makes it really memorable.
0: That movie and that line of movies around that time were just sensory overloads. The music was amazing, the animation was amazing, and like that entire Be Our Guest scene is just spectacular. The music, the sound. The look of it and the animation is just is just great. And for a kid,
2: it's just overwhelming. Was it with Aladdin that they really started with the big name voice actors? Or did that sort of happen around Beauty and the Beast as well? Do you count Angela
0: Lansbury as a big name?
1: Yes.
2: Is that the person from Murder, She Wrote? Yes. Yeah. Well done.
1: <laughs> she
0: did write that murder.
1: Robin Williams actually requested during the publicity for Aladdin that they not sell it on his name. He wanted the movie to be able to stand on its own instead of being Aladdin starring Robin Williams or Robin Williams in Aladdin. Um, and I think that that really helped the film. It, it's kind of, yes, Robin Williams is the voice of the genie, but that's not what stands out to you ahead of everything else.
2: That's kind of like an odd decision for him to make because why would you do a movie and then not want it to gather as much attention as it can.
0: I don't think it's an attention-gathering thing. I think that around the time of Aladdin, I think he know, he was aware of his fame. He was aware of the fact that his name would sort of eclipse the movie and it. Like, he would have been a fan of the movie. He would have been proud of his work, and I think that's what he wanted it to stand on, you know? But for me, that's the main difference between companies like DreamWorks and why I love Disney so much, because companies like DreamWorks, especially during the late 90s, early 2000s, sold all their animated movies on the stars it's like this starring this person this person this person 20 famous people you know and by the end of the promo for it i don't know what it's about i just know what the main character looks like and all the people that are in it it's disney and pixar as an extension of that don't really sell it on the names they just use great talent they use stars yes but they don't sell it on that it's a a good tradition that i think i think really focuses on the work Aladdin, like, I feel it's very much considered, especially by kids at that time, as, like, a boy Disney movie. Like, it was a male lead character. It was a little more... There was a little more action in it, I guess. But, I mean, that is still my favourite Disney movie of that period and of all time. Aladdin just has amazing music and amazing animation. And as a kid, as a young boy, it's, like, Robin Williams is as hilarious as the genie and the guy gets the girl and there's the big villain and a giant snake and... I don't, know, I don't know. Is that spoilers? If it's like twenty years after the movie was released, uh, I don't think
2: you need to call spoilers
0: at this point. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next kind of big blockbuster animation that came out? Like uh, in the tradition of *Beating the Beast*, *Aladdin*.
1: All right. So you have *Nightmare Before Christmas*, which is the year after *Aladdin*. Which, I don't know, I I classify it as a Disney animated movie, but I think it kind of stands on its own, being more part of the Tim Burton franchise than it is a part of the Disney franchise.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: And then you've got The Lion King after that, which The Lion King and Pocahontas were both in production at the same time, and Disney Studios thought the Pocahontas was going to be the big one, and they were pretty much banking on that being the bestseller for them, but The Lion King kind of snuck up behind, had music by Elton John and Tim Rice, and pipped Poe at the post a little bit, I think?
2: Uh, The last Disney movie that I went to see at cinema would have been Aladdin. Um, I didn't see The Lion King. I would have only been 10, but at that point, I think I would have already started watching things like batman That probably shouldn't have been
0: no that's no you should have been because i i remember all through the 90s at that my nan's place my uncle would always put on certain things for example 1989 original batman movie with keaton and the first five minutes of rocky horror up until the end of the wedding scene and then turn it off because obviously it's, it's too risque but at that point everyone around our age must have been at least aware of the lion king it was such a huge thing
2: Yeah, well, I was definitely aware of it. Um, My sister went to see it at the movies with my mum and mum fell asleep during the movie and started snoring and it was quite embarrassing for my sister.
0: I'm sure I did, but I don't have a memory of going to see it at the movies. I do remember seeing Pocahontas, though, and I really liked it. I think I did get bored in the middle, but I do remember the songs and I do remember the characters very well, much more than I remember seeing Lion King, weirdly.
1: Lion King being a big thing in the school playground, like we would all reenact it and and do all the songs and things like that.
0: Did one of you hold like the smaller one above their head and sing? No, nah, the. Since I
1: was the smaller one, no, thank
0: goodness. Thank God. There are only a few kind of more well considered classics after that before the new century hit.
1: Here is the problem, I think. Toy Story came out in 95 and completely changed the face of animation. Lasseter had been working at Disney before being fired.
0: Can I interrupt? Who's Lasseter?
1: Oh, John Lasseter, who was one of the founders of Pixar, um, who's now back at Disney, but um, started out at Disney as a junior animator And had big ideas for, I think it was an adaptation of Where the Wild Things Are. And he wanted to use computer animation for that. But Disney didn't have any interest in computer animation. And I'm pretty sure he ended up getting fired because of a lack of productivity for things they could use. Something along the lines of that. Don't quote me.
0: Computer.
1: Anyway, um, so of course, the, the Pixar story is quite famous now. Um, funded by George Lucas and his company.
2: Lucas, really? I never knew that. Wow.
1: Yeah, Pixar used to be owned by George Lucas and, and yeah, Steve Jobs and the Apple company helped make the first Pixar computer, which Pixar, the company, is named after Pixar, the computer, which is the first computer system that allowed them to do computer animation. Um, You know, fast forward, 1995, first full-length computer animation film comes out, and Toy Story is pretty much equal to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs for the impact that it had on the animation industry.
0: Because nobody thought you could do a full-length feature animation, and then obviously nobody thought you could do a full-length computer animation.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you look at Toy Story now, and... It it looks old, but it still stands up. The, The story is there, the heart is there, and I think that's the secret of Pixar and the secret that a lot of modern computer animation hasn't quite gotten, that it was about the story first and the technology second, but it was just the fact that the technology was such a breakthrough... But it was also supporting this amazing story on top of it. And I think for Disney, with the hand-drawn animation, you know, the next big film after that is The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which I adore, by the way. I, I love that movie and I think it is completely underrated. Um, and after that, you've also got Hercules. Ah, Hercules. Oh, Hercules is my second favourite Disney movie. See, a lot of these animated movies that are brilliant movies, but I think they just suffered from not being as maybe quirky and slightly adult-oriented like Toy Story was. I'm not saying that Toy Story is one of those movies that has jokes for the adults and jokes for the kids, but Toy Story did have that slightly twisted humour, the slightly more sarcastic humour that... The kids' movies maybe don't have because they've just got maybe a little bit more of a pure storyline. Toy Story was a little bit more grown up, and I think that's why movies like Hunchback and Hercules suffered a little.
0: Hunchback of Notre Dame is an amazing movie, but as a kid, I don't think I would have really responded to that. I do remember the McDonald's campaign where like, they released like free Hunchback of Notre Dame glass cups, but... I don't remember seeing it. I think I might have, but I just, as a kid, it's not really a movie you respond to. It's such an adult tale. And yeah, Hercules, I remember having the PlayStation game and playing that a lot, but I don't remember seeing the movie at That's all. A great and game. there's Mulan after that.
2: I also wonder whether maybe some of the downturn is to do with animation having it different avenues around that time, because there were things like The Simpsons that had started, mm-hmm. Ren and Stimpy. Animation was really doing a lot of new things. It wasn't just cartoons for kids. There was also this whole new genre that was coming up and maybe that was part of it as well.
0: I think you really hit the nail on the head with The Simpsons because that was 89 that kind of started as shorts and really hit its stride around the early 90s and When you get that kind of television-based cartoon that is so popular for adults and kids because a lot of the time kids aren't allowed to watch it. I mean, I was, but I know a lot of kids that weren't. It's sort of... It's another avenue. Like, you're right.
2: Before we move on, what is Fantasia 2000? Nothing cutesy.
1: It's pretty much a tribute to the original Fantasia. They tried to do it all again, doing animation set to music um, with more updated animation, more updated music. Again, same as the original Fantasia, not a commercial success. Worse, if anything. But I think the animation's quite good. I've never been a huge fan of the Fantasia movies just because I tend to fall asleep while I'm watching them. They're kind of like an animated lullaby for me. (laughs) Unfortunately, I I stayed awake as a little kid through the original Fantasia because I wanted to see the dancing hippos, and so I, like, willed myself to stay awake. But I have not so far made it through Fantasia 2000. But pretty much it's like a sequel to Fantasia in that same idea, modern execution...
2: So is there a um, you know a classic album that's meant to be synced with Fantasia 2000, similar to the Dark Side of the Moon Fantasia story?
1: I always thought it was The Wizard of Oz that was meant to be synced with Dark Side of the Moon.
2: Well, maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me check.
0: Maybe, Milhouse. Really? Yeah, I thought, I thought it was that. Wizard of Oz as well. You've tried Wizard of Oz with The Dark Side of the Moon?
1: Yeah, I sat there because you're supposed to sync it up. I think you're supposed to start playing Dark Side of the Moon with Leo the Lion's third roar at the opening of Wizard of Oz and I sat there trying to do it over and over again and there's a few things that kind of match up and you can kind of see what people mean when they're saying oh yeah, it matches up to the Wizard of Oz but all in all, I think it's a a very clever rumour.
0: This is where I kind of might mention that you didn't hear us cheersing beers, bottles or bottle caps we opened a can and we're sharing a case of soft drink because Nothing Cutesy is a non-drinker. On that point, I think... That rumour was started by people who were probably very high. When you are under a certain influence, a lot of things might seem to match up and link together probably a lot more consistently than when you're sober.
1: So I can say that The only way I have ever listened to Dark Side of the Moon or watched Wizard of Oz is completely 100% sober.
0: Yeah, you still love them both.
1: Well, yeah, why not? They're still great. You don't have to be high to appreciate them.
2: Well, I can at least now confirm, thanks to Google. Google! I think this might become a theme on the podcast that sinking Dark Side of the Moon and Fantasia is a thing uh, and it wasn't we'll something that I that that made up. Let's try that then. Let's try that later.
1: I think there's a few movies that have, have different rumours like that around them, but I have tried it to The Wizard of Oz. Maybe we need to sit down one night and try it to Fantasia.
2: I'm keen if you are. I knew I was onto a winner when I didn't actually need to write Fantasia Dark Side of the Moon. I just wrote Fantasia Dark and it, it knew the answer
0: after Hunchback of Notre Dame and Hercules and Mulan, and I think the Emperor's New groove, I think, did not do so well, and I was probably too old to see that. But not a lot of classic animation. It was pretty much Pixar took over. Were you, you were a fan of Pixar at that time?
1: Oh, of course. I mean, the moment I saw Toy Story, I just fell in love. As, a, as an animation nerd from my early years, I, I just knew it was something special. And that was followed by A Bug's Life, which... It's still one of my favourite Pixar movies. I know that a lot of people don't think it's quite as good as, you know, movies like Toy Story or Finding Nemo, but A Bug's Life for me, I think, was just a fantastic movie. Um, And, of course, Disney released Tarzan after that.
0: With Phil Collins.
1: Yeah, with Phil Collins doing the music... uh, Honestly. As somebody who is not a fan of Phil Collins, I, I think that was to the movie's detriment.
0: You'll be but that
1: that's that's a matter of taste, I think. But of course then um Pixar came out with Toy Story Two, which, you know, sequels as far as Disney are concerned usually don't end up being great never ever watch Pocahontas 2 it is a terrible horrible movie yes you'll hear Moosey there um, imitating one of the worst songs in the movie but Toy Story 2 came out and did the unthinkable it was a sequel that was equal to or better than the original
2: and that's always a challenge even if you think remove yourself from Disney just in general there's not many sequels that are better than the original
0: apart from Empire Strikes Back
2: Empire Strikes Back Terminator 2
0: yeah Terminator Aliens 2. Aliens there's oh, a few God. there's a few but that's why they're classics um I noticed you had Toy Story down in your list that you'd seen did you see it at the time or later
2: I remember seeing it at friends places more so like than like, I don't think I saw it at the cinema I don't remember seeing it at the cinema yeah but um but yeah I do remember going to friends places and watching it and yeah it's a fun movie Pixar animation sort of just got better and better, and in a way,
0: like, it got more complex and more adult at times, but it avoided doing what Disney did and falling out of favour, because it's been going strong for a very long time now, and it's still having incredible hits. I mean, Finding Nemo was huge, and then after that, WALL-E and Up, around the same time they had Cars and Cars 2, and that was huge, and talking about sequels, I mean, I love Cars 2, I think it's heaps better than Cars, but... I loved them both. I really didn't think I would. But anyway, uh, Cars is a whole other world of discussion with Nothing Cutesy because the questions I got asked when we watched Cars for the first time...
1: I'm sorry. I'm really good at suspending my my sense of disbelief, especially when it comes to animated movies. But there's something about Cars that I've never quite connected with and I did spend a lot of the time the first time I watched the movie asking Moose questions like who drives the cars and if there's nobody driving the cars how do they fix each other and then how do they make more cars and do cars have babies and things like that um i was like one of those obnoxious children who doesn't stop asking questions but for some reason i just couldn't wrap my head around the car's universe and i still to this day cannot
2: at least transformers can transform and fix things (laughs) and there's humans yeah that's
0: right Alright, right, so from there, Pixar is hitting its stride. It's it's becoming huge. I think the one Pixar movie that really stood out for me and that I fell in love with at the time was Monsters, Inc. I, I really loved that movie and still do to this day. Tell me what happened from there with Pixar and then Disney under the the same time.
1: Well, Disney tried out the computer animation thing with Dinosaur. I did see The Emperor's New Groove and Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which were both hand-drawn animations that were brought out around the same time. I can't say I've watched them more than a handful of times. Monsters, Inc., however, came out in the early 2000s. I have watched more times than I can count. And I was in high school when it came out. And let's just say I've always looked a little bit younger than my age and a lot of the girls at school decided I looked like Boo out of Monsters, Inc. if I had my hair in pigtails. That's a
0: lot younger than your late teens.
1: Yeah, I was probably about 17 at the time. So it was both a compliment because Boo is adorable and an insult because... I was almost an adult. But it was a good comparison, and I didn't mind because the movie was so awesome.
0: Continuing on from Monsters, Inc., Pixar didn't stop there. It got huge. I remember pretty much following every Pixar movie from there.
1: Okay, where are we up to? Disney have released Lilo and Stitch um, in the early 2000s, which I really liked. I I thought it was... There was a very clever use of um, Elvis music. I quite like that movie. I I, I will put it out there. Um, Treasure Planet, not so much. No offence, Disney didn't quite get it.
0: It was sort of like how things started to be made for that Walt Disney television show around the late 60s, early 70s I think that Lilo and Stitch became a huge commodity for the Disney Channel and the merchandising rights and that's where Disney for a while really shined as the feature animation took a back seat and Pixar led the way
1: Pixar had moved on to Finding Nemo which is just an amazing movie all up.
2: I actually uh, did make a return to the cinema for Disney for Finding Nemo. Yeah. And went with Dylan who was on the podcast a, a little while ago um, and a bunch of our other friends. And Yeah, it was, it's a pretty fun movie. I think that's one that anyone can sit down and enjoy. And then after that, um, I mean The Incredibles was awesome.
1: As Moose said, it is a very good movie and I enjoy it, especially the family dynamic that gets thrown around in it and of Course, Brad Bird, director and brains behind The Incredibles, was on the Simpsons team at one point, and you can kind of see that influence coming through in the movie.
0: He was around some of The Simpsons' strongest seasons as well, he was contributing to a lot of key episodes.
1: Yes, of course, after that, we move on to Cars. Yay! Which, as I've said before, it's a good movie, I just don't get it. Well, I know I'm not the target audience.
0: A couple of Christmases ago, your mum asked you who two of my best friends were and you said Pointy and Superman Steve and she put in a custom Disney book order and for Christmas I received a Cars book, so it's a story about me in the world of Cars. Do you still have that? I still have that. Have I read it to you?
2: Yes, you have, but we might need to post a little picture of that uh, on the Facebook page. Okay.
1: So after that we go into Ratatouille, which I think is an awesome movie and very underrated again. I still have no desire to eat ratatouille, but...
2: What is ratatouille?
1: It's kind of a layered vegetable-y kind of dish, but it has eggplant, which is a vegetable I'm not very fond of in it.
2: I'm quite a fan of the eggplant. It's, It's very versatile.
1: But then Disney Animation decided to get back in the game with a little bit of computer animation. They released Tinkerbell, which has now become quite a successful franchise. And if you've got a little girl... Watch those movies. The Tinkerbell series are, are quite a good little series of movies. I can take it that you haven't seen Tinkerbell Pointy.
2: I've worn a tiara many times. I have not seen Tinkerbell.
1: And then they followed it up with Bolt, which of course has the ever-talented John Travolta and Miley Cyrus doing yeah. voices. What a
0: pa- what a pairing, John Travolta and Miley Cyrus.
1: Ah, then we've got another classic in the Pixar chain, Wally. Which arguably one of the best Pixar films. It's so hard to rank them. Every time I go to rank them, I go, Okay, Wally's the best Pixar film, then I go, Oh, what about Up? And then I go, Oh, what about a Bugs Life? And then I go, Oh, what about Monsters Inc.? I'm just gonna put it in the top ten. Wally is an amazing film.
0: You're seeing it from an adult's perspective as well, and I think Wally was very much geared towards adults in that way. Like it's it's got great characters for kids. It's very beautiful looking, but there's not a lot of dialogue, if any. Most of it is used through soundtrack and beeps and boops. And I think one of the guys that the sound effects engineer on one of the original Star Wars movies um, did the sounds for that.
1: It was the guy that did R2-D2 and all the sounds for R2-D2 ended yeah. up doing all the sounds for Wally. He's got an amazing sound collection. He collects sounds and noises and records them and keeps them and pretty much single-handedly did the entire sound design on Wally. We've also got The Princess and the Frog, which has returned to hand-drawn animation for the Disney Studios. Pretty sure that John Lasseter had rejoined Disney by this stage.
0: Yeah, that rings a bell because he was with Disney and he wanted to bring hand-drawn animation into something that was respected again, you know?
1: And then after that, we have Up, another Pixar film. Any adult who was seen Up just tells of how much they blubbered at the beginning of the movie amazing film and unusual in that it's a buddy movie between a very young character and a very old character which you don't really see old codgers in disney or pixar movies unless they're yelling at somebody or a bit character but um it's nice to have the main character in up be an old dude
0: that is one of the most intelligent well-written movies that the first and the last third of it just goes straight to the heart like they it's it's beautifully written beautifully animated and in the middle is this hilarious buddy story with talking dogs and a bird and an adventure but it's just bookended by this really poignant stuff.
1: And then we have another addition in the Disney company CGI movies, which is Tangled, which I think was a bit of a return to form for them. Not quite as strong as a lot of people thought it was going to be, but most definitely up there, especially in terms of the songs. I think casting Mandy Moore in the title character with the strength of her singing definitely helped that movie, and Moose is over here swooning because of his massive Mandy Moore crush.
0: Mandy Moore.
2: Ryan Adams. Yeah,
0: I'm glad she married Ryan Adams. If there's two voices that should procreate together and maybe it'll counter out and their kids can't sing. But, man, I love Mandy Moore's voice. Maybe some of her song choices have been questionable in the past, but she's got a gorgeous voice, as does her husband, Ryan Adams, yes. But yeah, I went to see the movie on the strength of it and had Mandy Moore in it alone, but it, I really liked it. It was a really nice movie, and, yeah, you're right, it was a return to form, especially Disney computer animation that's not Pixar. I mean, compared to Bolt, it's genius.
1: Puzzles and dots and baking. Puzzles and dots
0: and
2: baking.
1: So I'm going to skip Tinkerbell and the Great Fairy Rescue and Tron Legacy because I'm not counting the Tron movies as animation. And go straight up to our next Pixar instalment and one that had me sitting in a cinema by myself, surrounded by children who belonged to other people, not me, bawling my eyes out. And as the closing credits rolled, a little girl pointing to me and going, Mummy, why is that lady crying so much? Toy Story
0: 3. What can I say? I loved that movie. I don't love it as much as Up, but it was a perfect bookend to the whole Toy Story saga. I hope they don't make a fourth one because they ended it perfectly.
1: At least Up made me cry at the beginning, so by the end of the movie when the lights came back on, I was doing okay. Toy Story 3 made me bawl all through the last third of the movie, so by the time the lights came up, I was just sitting there being a sniffly mess.
2: Well, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is because I haven't seen a, a lot of these more recent movies is that when I do have the opportunity to, to have children, I'll have these movies that I can watch with them for the first time because I, I really think that you'd gain more enjoyment out of some of these movies watching them with, you know... Someone who a kid who's watching them for the first time.
1: You just made me a warm and fuzzy inside, Pointy. Thank you. <laughs> and then, okay, another underrated movie, Winnie the Pooh, which is the most recent instalment of Winnie the Pooh movies. A complete return to form. If any of you are like us and grew up with the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh on your Saturday Disney.
0: I remember having some kind of swimming lesson at the pool and being horrified that I'd miss Winnie the Pooh, so getting my dad to set it up and tape it and then racing home from the pool to watch it. Love it.
1: But yeah, the 2011 Winnie the Pooh movie, it retains all of the warmth and humour of the Winnie the Pooh books by A.A. Milne and just infuses them with absolute delight. Some really fantastic songs. They've got Zoe Deschanel singing some of the songs in it and, of course, I'm a bit of a sucker for her voice, so that just makes the movie even better for me.
0: But it's properly funny as well. It's it's actually... It's not funny for kids. It's not funny adu- for adults. It doesn't shoot to any demographic. It is honestly just well-written and I like it.
1: There's just a lot of really great wordplay in there.
0: It's really... It's cute, but it's well-written and the jokes in it are really funny.
1: It's very who's on first, what's on second I think.
0: Oh incredibly, that's a perfect kind of analogy.
1: Then we have the next installment in the Cars series from Pixar, Cars 2 again, doesn't need to be said really but I don't get it the animation is drool-worthy. I mean, especially when you get the, the medals of the cars and, and the reflection of the cars. I sat there looking and the, at going, ooh, this is beautiful, but I still don't get it.
0: The water in the opening scene, I think that hooked me from the beginning. It starts out on the ocean with a tugboat.
1: Very James Bond kind of scene.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very much based off James Bond in parts. It's very referential to kind of spy movies.
1: And um, We talked before about Tangled really ushering in a new kind of Disney movie, a, a CG movie with great songs and a really good story. And then they followed that up with Wreck-It Ralph, which just as a buddy movie is absolutely fantastic. You've got a strong male character. You've got a strong female character. You've got great morals No songs, which is a bit disappointing, but I don't think you need them because it's just, it's bubblegum for the eyes. It's amazing.
0: It was really tightly paced. And as you said, like bubblegum for the eyes, it was very, it's a very visual movie and it was a very simple story, very complex visually. It was great.
1: The next installment for Pixar was Brave, which I just adore. The animation is just superb. I cannot get over the hair. Your
0: lead character's a redhead. I love gingers. Ginge.
1: Then after that, they, of course, had the sequel to Monsters, Inc., well, prequel to Monsters, Inc., Monsters University, which was almost as good as Monsters, Inc., I think, just off.
0: As long as you can hope for a sequel not to be disastrous and as long as it's fast-paced, funny, fun, entertaining and it doesn't ruin the legacy of the movie, it's good.
1: And then that brings us to the most recent Disney film and the one that I'm hoping is going to signal, as The Little Mermaid did the start of a new Disney golden age, Frozen. We took our nieces and nephews to see Frozen at the movies and I think there were at least five or six points in the movie where we just looked at each other with stars in our eyes and... Just complete wonder because it was everything you want a Disney movie to be. A- amazing music, amazing visuals, fantastic story, and can I say again, amazing music?
0: The songs are so incredibly well written in that movie, and we'll, with the animation, it was just, just beautiful. It was a great film.
1: And, of course, we're going back to Broadway music writers. You've got Robert Lopez, who now is an EGOT. He's won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar and a Tony. And his wife, Kristen Anderson Lopez, who has been involved in Disney projects in the past as well. And, of course, Robert Lopez... Co-wrote Book of Mormon, Avenue Q, and if anyone remembers the musical episode of Scrubs, he co-wrote some of those songs as well.
0: If they start making great films like Frozen, then Pixar's free to explore that more complex side. I mean, I think that they're planning a movie based on the inside of a brain coming yep, up.
1: The inside of the human brain. There's another movie about the littlest dinosaur. The good dinosaur. Oh, oh, the good dinosaur that's it. But they've also got Finding Dory, so you've got sequel to Finding Nemo coming out.
0: And there's a Day of the Dead one as well. I mean, for Nothing Cutesy's birthday a couple of years ago, Lee Uncridge, Pixar director and animator and editor, he did a talk in a showcase for a arts festival in Sydney and we were living in Sydney at the time and we went to see his showcase at the Sydney Opera House and it was just brilliant and he went through some of those future projects and how they put things together. It was great. Around the resurgence of Disney as like a Broadway musical style phenomenon through Little Mermaid all the way through the end of the 90s like Disney soundtracks were a huge thing especially with Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin do you remember having some of those nothing kitsy?
1: I'm pretty sure I have all of them. I also have a ridiculous amount of Disney greatest hits compilations Disney covers albums, Disney love songs, the list goes on
0: Do you have a favourite Disney soundtrack?
1: Beauty and the Beast, hands down followed closely by Hercules.
0: And do you know all the words to a lot of those songs?
1: Most of them, yes. It's a sing-along ability. It's the I Want songs. It's the ensemble pieces. It's, it's that all the, all the Broadway sensibilities that come together in an animated film.
0: I do remember that somewhere along the line I did get a um, Disney Best Of cassette tape. And I think one of my friends came over and I was listening to it. And I do remember him saying, I'm going to tell everyone at school that Moose listens to girls' music. I was like, oh, that makes me really sad because it was cool, it was fun, it was Broadway, it was Disney.
1: That would also probably make all of those male songwriters that wrote the songs pretty sad.
0: Boo you people who think it's girls' music. That's the major Disney animated films through hand-drawn animation, computer animation, the whole Pixar revolution, but they've just bought into a couple of franchises like Marvel, which is releasing heaps of live-action movies at the moment, but, I mean, the big one in the last couple of years has been Star Wars.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. That was my love as a kid was Star Wars. I think that's probably why Disney didn't get too much of a look in for me because after seeing those movies and the original movies as a young kid, that captured my imagination and no other story could really do it for me.
0: I was a dual Disney and Star Wars fan. I loved them both. So, like, Although, yeah, it came as a surprise to me. I kind of went, yeah, I think they'd treat it right because I think that they'd know there's certain expectations. How did you feel when you learnt that Disney was buying out Star Wars?
2: Star Wars is an interesting one because it's got some original source material, like with the original movies that a lot of people are very fond of, massive fans of, but has been tinkered with quite a lot over time, which some people are happy with and most aren't. What's going to happen... We'll just have to wait and see. I'm hopeful, especially because I've heard that they're going to be doing a new trilogy plus some standalone films. So I guess there's the opportunity for there to be different directors brought on, different styles. So hopefully if there is something bad, it might not be ruining a whole trilogy. It might just be one movie.
0: I think that whole franchise has become more than those three movies as it is. Like those original Star Wars movies are great. That's what they are, especially the people around the time we grew up really associated with them and much earlier as well. And I think then once you go into stuff like the clone wars, the the books, the TV, the prequels, it just it became such a huge world that I don't think Disney can just expand that.
2: Especially with the clone wars TV show, that's you know one of my favorite shows of the last few years. The animation is brilliant, the stories are really good. And uh, since the Disney buyout, they've just announced that there's going to be a new Star Wars TV show called Star Wars Rebels. It's going to be set in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope and so it'll be that period between the birth of the Empire and the start of the Galactic Civil War but it does seem to be so far from the shorts which I won't hold judgment it does seem to be a little bit more kid-friendly than the Clone Wars.
0: Well I mean from someone who was a huge Star Wars fan and not so much Disney to me who was both I loved both Natalie, I'm pretty sure you were less of a Star Wars fan and more pretty much strictly Disney, yeah?
1: I have a habit of making people angry by calling Ewoks the cute little teddy bears. But that's what they are. But it usually makes hardcore Star Wars fans quite angry. But let's just put it this way. I haven't actually seen all of the original Star Wars movies. And Moose did, at one point when we first started dating, give me the abridged version of Star Wars where we fast-forwarded through them and he played me key scenes, including the cute little teddy bear scenes, which were my favourite. Really, I know enough about the world to, to talk about it, and I have seen The Phantom Menace more times than I can count, which...
2: Well, that's the worst Star Wars movie
1: Okay, here's my confession. Everybody who is hearing me say this who is a Star Wars fan is just going to hate me forever.
2: If Jar Jar Binks comes out of this, out of your mouth, I may need to leave.
1: I was in, like...
2: I'll hold him down.
1: I was in, like, Year 6 or Year 7 when Phantom Menace came out and Jar Jar Binks got me through that movie. I had a Jar Jar Binks pencil case. One of my permanent catchphrases that still exists... Is a Jar Jar Binks catchphrase.
0: Can we have it, please? Ladies and gentlemen, I present the only person who was pulled through that movie by Jar Jar Binks, not pulled out of that movie by Jar Jar Binks.
1: He's so funny. He goes, Mr. Jar Jar Binks, Mr. Very happy to see you. They're just, okay, they're both just staring at me in horror right now. But I love Jar Jar Binks. A smile on my
2: face.
1: Yes, but <laughs> it's a horrified <laughs> smile.
2: So I'm not quite sure whether to laugh or cry.
1: I love Jar Jar Binks and I think he's very underrated. You guys all need to let go of some of the Star Wars love and embrace Jar Jar Binks for the hilarious bit of crappy computer animation he is.
0: There's a reason, he had a small bit part in the second movie. I'm surprised. Like, okay, look, he's he's not as terrible as as people make out to be. Because I think people got a little bit over angry. Like... He's
1: the Yoko Ono of Star Wars, honestly. <laughs> My only other Star Wars experience is getting incredibly sick on the Star Wars ride at Disneyland, which in the ride's defence was a very fun ride, but I get motion sick very easily and unfortunately the the invisible G-force simulation made me quite sick.
0: For the Australians listening, it's kind of like that Batman Returns ride from Movie World in Queensland, where you go through like a labyrinth of related kind of tunnels and then you come out into this thing and sit in your seat and you get strapped in and you watch a screen while the seats move. But it's pressurized in certain ways. So when you're taking off the pressure in the room and the G-force, I think is the term nothing cutesy used, was... You could feel it. You honestly felt like you were moving, not just with the seats, you know. Look, for someone who's such a huge Disney fan, I went with you to Disneyland the first time and, I mean, you were 27. I mean, waiting all your life and watching all those movies and TV shows, that must have been a big event.
1: It didn't last long enough. We spent three days there and I still need to go back. I need to do it again. You know, as an adult, I should probably have things in my my to-do list of traveling like visit Machu Picchu or go and see the pyramids in Egypt but no right on top of my list is go back to Anaheim and go to Disneyland again and go through the tour where I can see where Walt Disney used to live that's way out there for me
2: I was just hearing in the intro to an idiot abroad then They sent Carl Pilkington.
1: (laughs) They should send Carl Pilkington to Disneyland. It would be amazing.
2: I
0: loved experiencing Disneyland with you because you were just so excited. And by the way, look, I was too. I think there was this moment where, for the first time, we watched the end of the day, like 9 30 or whatever it is, fireworks at the end of the day, where you stake out your spot around the statue of Walt and Mickey in front of the big Sleeping Beauty castle. And when when the sun goes down, the huge fireworks display is set to music. And I think there was a moment where one of us leaned to the other and said, y- are you crying? Yep. Yes, I am.
1: Yeah, that, that's pretty big of you to admit as a full-grown man that the Disneyland fireworks made you cry.
0: As this pointy said, like, there is some aspect of me and to you as well that is a little Peter Panny. Like, I never quite wanted to grow out of Disney. Like, I really love it. I don't know. It was the end of a long day. I'd eaten mostly sugar and ran around, so... You kind of did have a moment that was crying, not out of pure joy, though. You had like a bit of foot pain, right?
1: Oh my goodness, yes. I was wearing a pair of shoes that pretty much ate my feet. I had the most amount of foot pain. Were they reptilian? They were not reptilian. Oh. So I ended up watching the Disneyland parade, bawling my eyes out because I tried to sit down on the sidewalk because my feet were killing me. And one of the Disneyland employees told me I had to stand up and so I bawled my way through the parade because I had so much pain in my feet.
0: But I remember Nothing Cutesy's crying was like half about the pain and half about this is supposed to be the happiest place on earth. I don't want to cry my first visit to the happiest place on earth. And while I am a caring partner to Nothing Cutesy, I do now looking back, remember when we first went to the California land part of the Anaheim Disneyland. We got a locker, we put our things in and you were sitting there putting like Band-Aids, little um, plasters on your sore and blistered feet. And I'm standing there doing a ridiculous dance to California Girls that's playing over the speakers.
2: Were you eating fairy floss?
0: I don't think at that point, but I know that I was at some point in those
2: few days. For some reason, I just had this picture of you eating fairy floss while Nothing Cutesy was in pain.
0: Nothing Cutesy was just kind of sitting down by the lockers, putting stuff on her feet, and I was just excitedly... Like, I figured I couldn't do anything to help, so... I just got up and danced back and forth with like some kind of ridiculous crab dance. And despite the pain, Disneyland remains one of the most fun experiences of our trip to America. I think those couple of days and the day before in Anaheim, call me a tourist, but I, I just loved the whole concept of Disneyland, the, the characters, all the different things. I do remember Natalie's like, do you really want to go and wait in line for a photo with Mickey? It's just a guy in a suit. And I'm like, no, God damn it. I'm in Disneyland and it's Mickey Mouse.
2: Okay, well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you very much for joining us today, Nothing Cutesy. And also, while we're here, thank you very much for organising the artwork for the podcast. We both very much appreciate it. Do you want to tell everyone where they can check out your work?
1: Sure, www.nothingcutesy.blogspot.com or you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash nothingcutesy. I am also on Twitter at nothingcutesy come and bug me or follow me or whatever you want to do
0: thank you for listening guys that's another episode of splitting cases
1: thanks everybody